Hello, my name is Andreina. And my name is Gabriela. And this is Wigs and Candles, a podcast about two sisters and their obsession with period film. We want to dig into our favorite films and review them, why we love them, how they've shaped us, what effect do they have on us. Join us on a trip through palaces and manors, balls and tea parties, and a lot of dresses, carriages, and of course, wigs and candles. This is episode one, Origins. So Gabby, can you tell us a little bit about where did we grow up and how it was? Well, um, you were born in the late 70s and I was born in 1980. And we grew up in the hottest city in Venezuela, in Maracaibo. So maybe we should give it a little bit of a context. Um, growing up in, in a tropical city with temperatures of nearly 40 degrees all year long, in the, in the 80s and in the 90s, um, it was pretty boring. Um, there's not much that you can do in a city as Maracaibo as a teenager, as a child or a teenager, um, because of the temperatures that don't allow you to stroll down parks or um, ride bikes. Um, so it, it is a pretty boring place to grow up um, and very hot. So. My mom plays a big role in all this because in this context of being a very tropical hot city, she was um, very interested in the arts. She was a ballet dancer. Yeah. And, and she kind of always brought this European touch into a very tropical life. She, with her love of music, classic music and culture and um, ballet, um, she kind of made us um, live in a little bubble that didn't really fit in this hot context. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so so Gabby and I, we are from uh, Maracaibo, Venezuela. And like Gabby said, uh, it's the hottest city in the country. Uh, temperature, you know, average temperatures in Maracaibo are 34. 35 degrees and above I mean it's very hot yes and when we were growing up it was yeah it was a very it, 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 it's a medium-sized city but still there wasn't that much that you can do as a kid or as a teenager because it was hot and also it was a little bit you know it's starting to get a bit dangerous as well so our mom was very protective of of us so very much our world revolved around being at home it was a very internal kind of uh, world where we didn't spend much time outside and a lot of time inside. And yes, our mom was a ballet dancer and she, she really kind of, you know, she really cultivated a love of the arts in the house. And I think something that is important that we mentioned, Gabby, is that at the time in the 80s, in, in Maracaibo, Venezuela, there were uh, great public programs for classical musical training and ballet, ballet dancing. 
Yeah, so these were public programs that everybody could access and you could, you know, if you needed an instrument, it was lent to you. Uh, and for, uh, for the ballet classes, I believe, I believe, I don't know if they were public, but if they were accessible, but the, the classical musical training was public. So yeah, so we grew up in this, in this context of loving the art, and you know, feeling a little bit, feeling a little bit like we were different. What do you remember? Yes, yes, definitely, because um, this was not mainstream. This um, this surrounding in the house, um, being in touch with ballet videos that our mom would record in our Betamax VCR, um, or uh, long plays of classical music being played Sundays while we did the cleaning. Um, this was not mainstream. This didn't happen in many families in Venezuela or in Maracaibo, at least, during those days. So um, we felt that, yeah, we were growing up in this little bubble inside the house. And when we went to other kids' houses, we didn't see the same records lying around. Or if we said we watched Tchaikovsky um, being wonderful on a ballet, they wouldn't really, <laughs> they couldn't relate to what we were saying. Or yeah. if we went to uh, classical concert music on Sundays, not not everybody did that. Yeah. Or at least not the not the friends or not the kids around us that we knew. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Despite this public uh, education programs that existed, it, it was still sort of like Exclusive. not mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was, was not mainstream. It, yeah, yeah. You, if you went to the Conservatory of Music, which I attended from age, I, I think maybe age nine or ten until I left mm -hmm. Venezuela at age nineteen. Um, yeah, you you have the best, you know, the best students and, and 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 training but yeah it was still not mainstream but what i remember you know there was this this you know not only mom cultivated this in us i think it was you know we naturally kind of gravitated to these things for example i remember being very young and my favorite tv show was a show called classical domingo mm -hmm. and it was a classical music tv show that play on Sundays and the host was called Isabel Palacios and she was this very elegant and beautiful woman who would introduce the orchestra and the piece and the conductor and I was a little girl I was yeah. I was young and this was my favorite show of all so there was something that kind of we were uh yeah that we were attracted to at the yes. same time that we that we gravitated to. So what happens? So what happens when we get a little older? Like more like in our teens. Yeah. So I think then we started to um with this with this seed that had been planted in us, we started looking for things ourselves. So we started discovering uh, proactively things that we were interested in or fascinated by. Um I guess when we started watching cable TV, <laughs> we yeah, started yeah. having access to, to films uh, from abroad. Yes. And uh, I think that uh, when we, out of our own decision, we started deciding, okay, which films are we really interested in and do we want to watch? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's key. I think a key, I think it's a key... 
historical moment uh, that happens in Venezuela, which is in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, we finally get uh, cable service. And um, so people, you know, started to be able to access, um, you know, like yesterday, international shows or international national TV channels from, you know, from all over. We started to be able to see uh, U.S. television, American shows, but also a lot of Spanish, Italian, French, mm. uh, Italian TV shows. So this was um, this was a key moment. And I will say it was around 1990 where, you know, we had this uh, HBO, which Ole, which was an yeah. extraordinary uh, channel and they had excellent cultural content and we again we gravitated towards those movies and those films so what do you remember about you know, the first period films? Well, I cannot really pinpoint, uh, pinpoint exactly the first one who really opened this window for us. Mm, it's just maybe like a feeling that I have very clear in my mind of us um, on Sundays um, watching a film and being transported to a world where there, were, there was green grass which is not very common in Maracaibo. Not very common in Maracaibo, yeah, no. Um, people sitting outside having picnics uh, on, on, on spring days. Yeah. Um, and having that feeling of uh, seeing people with, with being calm and enjoying fresh air outside and being kind of civilized because, well, of course, we lived in a civilized city, but um, Maracay was very rushed and very hectic with the heat and with the traffic. And um, so we, we were like kind of transported in a world where sitting outside, not sweating, <laughs> not sweating, enjoying the fresh air on a green grass was possible. And we were fascinated by such pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting you say that because I think I think the contrast between our reality in Maracaibo, which was you know a tropical, vibrant city with many beautiful, you know, with many beautiful um, things to offer. Um, really, you know, we dreamed of somewhere else and I think you know one of the uh, one of the early movies that we watched was set in Oregon and uh, it was not a period film but I remember we loving the Goonies a lot because the landscape where it took place was completely different from our reality it was a cloudy cool mountainous seascape that was very different from our reality so we always kind of had this seed of kind of desiring something different and I'm not sure entirely why because Maracaibo was a beautiful city and a very gorgeous place but we 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 dreamed of a foreign land from the very beginning yeah 
yeah we long for a yeah for for a cool like you say the cool air or you know grass that was green and also you know life in Maracaibo was quite hectic like you said in such a hot city you know taking public transit is not an easy endeavor you know you you it, 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 people suffer you know you know every single uh, activity that you do you have to kind of uh, think of the logistics of what you're going to do because it's so hot you know you take a shower and you know that as soon as you step out of the house you're you will be sweating so you know it, it impacts your choice of clothes of you know everything absolutely everything and you know you have the impression that you were constantly constantly just sweating and just not put together <laughs> <laughs> not put together not looking not looking uh, um fresh and fresh and ladylike and ladylike yeah ladylike yeah Her hair was always messed up and um yeah we had to change clothing several times a day and we had to wear very little because everything was so hot and exactly. we were longing for this for this contrast yeah to to have seasons we had we don't have seasons in Maracay exactly Yeah, Maracaibo, we have two main seasons, one which is just, you know, a dry season. And then we have the rainy season, which starts in October and we have extraordinary rainfall and and windstorms. It's really beautiful, but we don't really have seasons. Yeah, so all these films that we started to access through cable, you know, we start to see the seasons and we start to see different climates and we start to see different ways of being. Yeah, I think another thing that we should add to this little bit of context about Maracaibo is that, that uh, Maracaibo is not only the hottest city, but it's also a very different city from the rest of Venezuela. We have our own uh, Spanish dialect where we use voz. Uh, we have a very strong accent. Uh, Mara, Mara, people from Maracaibo are, are usually quite loud. You know, we are loud speaking people. We are very affectionate. We are very not composed. We are very loud people. We're re hugging. We're constantly demonstrating uh, affection and also using our hands. We're kind of loud in every possible way. People from Maracaibo are loud in all ways, in every way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so to see this contrast of, you know, of, of, of being, you know, it, it sparked a curiosity, a kind of like a longing, yes. like you said. Like a longing. And um, as I said, our mom played a big role in this because she had planted this seed already in childhood age. Yeah? And she, even though it was so hot and yeah, the, the roads are dusty and, and so on, she would still dress us up. She was thrilled by the prettiest dresses and make our hair with little laces. Um, she would set us up uh, on the sofa to take pictures of us um, looking like dolls. And she would even call us the, her Dresden dolls. So, of course, we were constantly confronted with this. Okay, she wants us to be ladylike, <laughs> to be ladylike <laughs> and pretty and wear pretty dresses. Only that in the city, it's madness to wear a dress and stockings because you just would sweat, would you, would you just sweat it all off? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that when we grew up, we kind of picked that up again from our childhood and said, okay, that what we're seeing in those films is actually how our mom, what our mom wanted us to see, to be 
with all this lace and nice and calm and ladylike. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. But it's interesting because later on, I, you know, I very much fought against being ladylike. Yes, but but totally. still, but still, um, I was still fascinated by, by period film. Yeah, because I think this is also a, an aspect that we will certainly dig into later on. Um, exactly this, this, our mom wanted us to be ladylike. So we like the optics and so on. But the films that we got fascinated most about were with characters who tried to break that, who were trying to exactly break that standard and break that frame. So so we took what we really liked, but we rebelled in it as well. Now we have gone quite back in our past and we have digged into our origins, how we grew up, where we grew up. Uh, why do you think that this is important to talk about and what does um, this play for a role in this podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, it was important to explore our origins because where we grew up and how we were raised really informed our, number one, our attraction to these movies and how we saw these movies. I think our desire both to see ourselves in them was really strong, but also I think we identify very much with the characters in these movies because they were mainly female characters And in a lot of cases, characters that were trying to break out of the bonds of their own societies and their own times. So I think it was both a desire to see ourselves somewhere else in a different world, but also that we identify with the characters that we saw in some of these movies, not all. So I think that was really important to explore. And I think it will influence it's impossible for it not to influence um, how we view these movies and how we, you know, how they impact us. So I think our origins will come to play in pretty much every movie that we watch and that we review and that we talk about in this podcast. In our next episode, we will talk about one of the very first period films that we watched. And which captures this mixture very well of this fascination we felt for other times and other worlds and this um, desperate desire of breaking free of patterns and society conventions. And that's our episode. See you next time. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. Wicks and Candles is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So go ahead and subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Wicks and Candles. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Wicks and Candles is written, hosted, and produced by Andreina Romero and Gabriela Morken Romero. 
The image design is by Pamela Rollin. The podcast theme music is the Concerto for Two Violins in D minor by Johann Sebastian Bach.